Okay, so here we go. My apologies. Uh, just making sure the uh, Bluetooth uh, headset was working. Long story short, so today uh, was the fourth day of the Psychedelic Assisted Therapy Global Summit. And as I said before, I joined it for the second day because I wanted to hear, uh, it was Gabor Mate and Basil Vanderkoltz, two of the most important authors in my journey. I think I've mentioned this before. I suffer from, and I hate that expression, but it just means uh, I've been diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, an autoinflammatory disease. I had a traumatic brain injury when I was young. I suffer from complex trauma, very complicated form because of intergenerational trauma. I'm the son and the grandson of an injured vet, um, never mind being Irish. And my grandmother was indigenous who had to give up her her status in Canada, right, to marry, uh, marry my grandfather. But more importantly, the culture at the time meant she had to give up her family, her identity, her, her culture, and her community, which I'm going to get to. That's, that is the hinge pin to all of this healing, all of these problems. It's either our disconnection from or our connection to. So what I want to share today is a great little um, sessions. Uh, there's about six hours of sessions per day. Um, some interesting sessions. Uh, I'm about halfway through most of them. Well, okay, long story short, I'm on the third or the fourth. I just can't remember which one of the six I'm on. So they were nice. Uh, some good videos this morning. Uh, but I actually took a break uh, from writing. Uh, I wrote about 30 pages this morning alone. My hand is cramping like crazy because I went and smashed my hand the other day. So it's all inflamed. So it means it's really difficult for me to write, especially since I'm already a bit of a hack when it comes to writing and the way I hold a pen. That's why I moved to fountain pens, by the way, to try to make this a little bit easier. But um, So I took a little break, and every day uh, they provide a movie. Uh, there was uh, the John Hopkins uh, story, which is very interesting. It was about uh, you know some study of psychedelic um, healing and, and, uh, and wellness. Uh, there was, uh, what was the first day? I can't remember now. But it was interesting because uh, Gabor Mate's The Wisdom of Trauma, I've already seen it, so I didn't actually watch that one uh, this time. Again, I mean, I'm doing two separate, well, three, four courses all at once. So there's this summit, which is a week long, every day, six hours a day. Every Sunday, I'm doing the, uh, the course on, um, I guess you'd say, Tantra. Uh, and then I'm also in um, a course for uh, training therapists, practitioners on the flight, fight, freeze, and then the new ideas that, of course, when I originally learned it, we just called them all um, uh, fawning, right? So now they have uh, a please and a please and uh, cry for help. There's a bunch of different coping mechanisms, and it's quite interesting talking about disassociation. And so I just wanted to take a break, something that I could just uh, consume fairly mindlessly. And there's a book, uh, a book, I apologize. It was uh, one of the movies, Day 4, uh, is a movie called From Shock to Awe. It's a story about vets trying to heal their uh, post-traumatic stress disorders, their, their trauma, uh, and they wanted to get off the medications. Just uh, a little spoiler 
one of the patients was on, uh, you know, 18 to 20 different pills a day. He said over a four-year period, he was on no less than 90, more than 90, but no less than 90 different pills. But what's funny is, even though I just wanted to mindlessly, you know, take a little break, uh, allow my ego depletion to, you know, sort itself out, you know what I mean? Um, just take a little mindless little break, have some tea, and oh, my tea went and got cold because of this movie. It's a fabulous movie. Uh, again, From Shock to Awe. It's about PTSD vets uh, finding healing, uh, but it goes beyond that. It's not just the vets, but it's their families, the wives especially, and it's not just ayahuasca because they talked a little bit about MDMA. But I just wanted to share with you because uh, for... You know, the one hour, an hour and 20 minute movie, which I had on a 1.25 speed, which makes it a little bit easier to get through all of this. Um, I still ended up taking seven pages in notes. So I'll just go through them quickly. I went through and made a little note on a few that I wanted to point out. So some shocking statistics. I've mentioned this before in previous podcasts where I talked about uh, Sebastian Junger's book, Tribe, where there was some uh, new data that was uh, in the book that I, I really think he should have highlighted more um, than he did. I'm just making sure I had a notice come up, making sure I'm not missing another class. So the movie opens up and uh, we get some stats that are shocking. 2.7 million that served in Afghanistan, 20% of them have been diagnosed with PTSD. And I argue, like what we learned from Sebastian Younger's book, what does that mean when he said no less than 20%, possibly more, of soldiers coming in are already traumatized? So we're not talking about PTSD. We're likely talking about complex uh, PTSD or complex trauma. So how many of these vets... Um, go under the radar because they might have been diagnosed with BPD or, or something else. and Or just like me, for years I was so sick, uh, you know, just I, I just fell under the radar as it will, right? as it were, right? So um, impact of uh, PTSD on families. That's a big note that I mentioned, both wives and kids. Uh, why? I made a little note here. I said that I'm the vet. Uh, I'm the child of a vet. Uh, who was the child of a vet who married an indigenous lady who had to give up her status and her culture, her family, her community, just so she can help heal a very broken man? That was my grandfather. He's very broken. Uh, it's quite a story what that man went through. He um, spent six years uh, overseas, well, uh, training in combination. He spent six years devoted of his life to go and try to whatever they were told at the time. And he spent years in bomber command, 33 and a third um, missions, where uh, most countries rotated their soldiers home far before that. Uh, but so I go on. I, and they mentioned a little bit about war, and I totally agree that war dehumanizes all involved. right? Because in the movie they talk about how you dehumanize your enemy where that only serves to risk your own humanity. Right? If, you, if you rob somebody else of their humanity, you're only going to uh, rob yourself of your huma humanity because the secret to all this is seeing the humanity in others. Right? So in the family, 
Uh, one story was incredibly shocking. Uh, the one guy, his job was cleaning up after, say, an IED. He said he found a child's foot, and he rubbed it like a rabbit's foot, small foot. Then he threw it in the burn pile. And he said he, he's never forgotten that. Right? And that night he spoke to his kids, and I'm sure that didn't make it e any easier. Right? He expected to die. He expected that last phone call with his children would be his last. And he says that he left, he left a piece of himself in the desert. But I'll mention this later. I don't think he left a piece of himself. It's this idea that Marshall McLuhan put forward that we externalize ourselves in situations like this or we disassociate. And do we ever get to a point where we no longer are able to uh, reconsolidate ourselves? Right? So we go on. And a little note here uh, where the wife, uh, the husband said, and, and the wife could say, and I could say the same for my wife, that I would not be here if it were not for her. Right? And I made a note that they both feel that way, and I certainly hope that she does as well. They made a note that it was surprising because these vets, when they first came home, and Sebastian Younger talked about this, this dichotomy, this um, uh, vacillation or whatever you want to call it, between life overseas or in the military and life over here or not in the military or just civilian, as well as how the civilians just don't see what it's like to be a soldier. Right? And as I mentioned, the VA system, their program was 18 to 20 men a day for some patients. And the one patient was on as many as 90, more than 90, in a four-year period. Right? And then a quote that I love that I, I want to uh, build upon is this idea, they were brave in war and they're brave trying to heal now, right? The wife said she realized she's not okay. But was that working to heal them, right? The self versus others, like did she disassociate from her own pain? Has she been made worse because of it or did it just have to sit uh, in uh, stasis till she was able to get around to it because the best quote was, I'd like to be free, free of it, right? What is that? That hate, the death, the, the memories, the anger, what it might be. I call it free of the demon inside of us. And the movie goes on. Uh, they go and do their, uh, go down south for ayahuasca. I love that they mention uh, intention and how important it is in the psychedelic therapy uh, summit, most of these practitioners are talking about, um, well, it's important that we understand uh, that integration, uh, how important it is. Sorry, I moved uh, past. So the next said, we, um, I need to heal. This is a quote. I need to heal so I can support my wife. And I mean, this just, Wow. He said, I would like to heal. He changed. He said, I need to heal. And then he changed it to, I would like to. Again, I guess, the language. Right? Be a support to his family so his wife can heal. Oh, boy, did that speak to me. Another said he was totally numb. Living alone, surrounded by people. Remember when I mentioned this connection or the disconnection. Right? Another one uh, said he was down uh, in South America to to lend support for his, his fellow vets, right? This idea of community. And I made a note of how much they were hugging. 
So they go on, and, and ayahuasca itself, they tend to talk about the spirit medicine. I think it's very apropos, because we're going to talk about this idea of spirit, spiritualism, or um, as the Janus see, dharma, or a spirit in all things. And then one of the, uh, one of the uh, vets actually buried himself in the sand, and he said he felt he was reborn. Right? Very Buddhist in this idea. Right? Then they talk about um, he knew how much hate he had in him. Right? That he, he kept it. He nurtured it like a child. And everything he attacked. Right? He lashed out in his life. And he said he did the same with the ayahuasca. The first couple trips, he, he put up a barrier to it. And I mentioned this in the last uh, couple podcasts that Gabor Mate is guilty of this as well. So many of us are guilty of this, that we don't buy in. Right? If you don't buy into the trip and the potential, the protocol, the healing, whatever it might be, because you need to buy in, because there's no healing that's external to oneself. So this is where faith comes in. Not, not the Western concept of faith, but commitment, devotion, confidence to whatever path you follow. Right? So the movie goes on and they related um, physical purge, vomit, with a psychological purge. I thought that pretty interesting, actually. What I really enjoyed personally was that uh, there's now uh, an importance placed on daytime tripping. I was always made fun of because myself being a day tripper, I always loved day tripping. And now I'm understanding maybe there is something to it. I love that they were talking, uh, they heard sounds, and they would say, I love you, I love you too. And the one gentleman even said that uh, the rooster all of a sudden wasn't an annoyance, and he just embraced and accepted them. Uh, it's very interesting because that's what's taught in Buddhism. When you go on a, a meditation retreat, you're taught to embrace all of these sounds, right? Don't see the fan noise as uh, a distraction or annoyance. It's just a presence, like any other. And like I mentioned, this spirit uh, medicine, because uh, one of them mentioned this divine light that's inside everyone and everything, and they see themselves reflected in it. And for that, I'll just remind us of the sixth sutra of the Isha Upanishad, that when you see the self in others, and you see the others in yourself, that is the true understanding. And then the one gentleman getting rid of his anger. He mentioned his light was love, and it filled the emptiness left by the anger that he had purged. I thought that was beautiful. Uh, then we proceed. And one quote that I really liked was, You have been broken for so long that it's okay to heal. This idea that many of us do need to understand that it is okay to heal. Right? Self-loathing. Self-loathing in the West is so intense, right? And I love this, this one, because I made a little joke myself. Uh, this is a quote. I love myself the way my mom loves me. And I kind of chuckle because uh, when it comes to the adverse childhood experience and how it's t closely tied to trauma, not everyone has a mother that they can, they, can, uh, they can see as a touchstone, right? And so I also point to Apocalypse Now, the Redux, right? Uh, the director's cut, the uh, French plantation, there's a, a quote in that movie that I absolutely adore, and it's, a, it's this uh, widow who was with uh, Martin Sheen's character. 
Willard. And she was talking to him, right, being a soldier, and right, he drank and he had his trauma. And she explains to them, don't you see? There are two of you. The one who kills and the one who loves. Right? Because that actually said, I can't kill with my hands anymore. I have to love. This, this vacillation between these truths. Like Tolstoy, who was excommunicated for sharing the truth that you can't justify killing. It's all murder if you follow the tenets. Right? So they keep on going. Uh, they do mention that the healing comes from inside. I, I made a, a note that I've been there, right? This process that they were talking about, about expelling evil. But it made me realize, like, do we expel it or do we embrace it, the evil? That's the shadow work, right? You have to embrace that evil in you. Otherwise, you're denying or you're disassociating from it. So that's the importance, which brings us back to integration, as the, the show did, right? Talking about both the experience and the learned insights. And hopefully, once you begin to integrate, any unlearned insights might also integrate. It's a weird concept, but it works. And then the one... A uh, gentleman talked about some of the comments he was uh, he was remembering now that he was starting to think clearly and starting to feel some healing. He said he had tried everything, EMDR, group therapy, CBD, you name it. He listed a big long things that he that he had tried. And he said one doctor told him, you've tried everything. My doctor did the same thing. You've tried everything. Really? Luckily, I didn't take him for his word. I, I of, course, of course, took it as we tried everything uh, from evidence-based medicine, but there was other avenues, which, by the way, he now supports the fact that I went my own way, right, a natural nature plant medicine avenue. But he said he had tried everything. This one doctor said that he had a spiritual inju injury that he needed to fix. And for me, this is where I made the note that he needed to put the pieces back together. That's the spiritual injury, that you've been disconnected from your truth of self and others and the self and I. The concept of what you are versus finding out who you really, truly are. This is where I mentioned McLuhan. This idea that he felt that we externalize ourselves and there might come a point where we might not be able to put ourselves together if we externalize ourselves too much. I don't think McLuhan really realized that we might have this, this environment where social media asks to uh, separate us from ourselves and our family and our work and everything is pulling at us either to ideate what we are. I, I don't know if I use that properly, but just to, are we going to embody what they expect us to be, or are we going to embody what we truly feel we are? But that requires the know thyself. And I make that three words, unlike the translation from the Greek. I make that three words. So know thyself. Because you can't know any other self until you know thine self. As I made a note that um, no idea to integrate, especially after a huge experience. This is one quote. 
right? And it was kind of dropped a little piecemeal, but it was beautiful because if you're paying attention, you understand it reinforcing how important proper integration is. So it's in intention and integration and vacillating between, uh, right? It's, it's like calm uh, insight, meditation, shamatha, vipassana. You, you f uh, flip between the two, like two wings of a bird, right? They're not two separate practices. They're, they're co-parts and co-counsels. Because he said, once better, we can see more of our trauma, right? That's where they highlight that it, it gets harder. Um, it tends to get more difficult as it seems our psyche realizes we're able to handle more. Uh, we tend to hide behind the pain, so there's the truth. It, it only feels harder. And I wrote that as an amen, especially to you healing means I had to heal from a wife, right? Exactly. I experienced that myself, that I got way too excited when I started to see that there was a possibility to heal. There is some hope. Um, and of course that came across as, you must do this, which you can't. I mean, you have to come willingly, as it says, right? Then we talk a little bit about MDMA and, and the one wife, which is a beautiful quote. She said, I feel like I'm fighting myself. <laughs> Aren't we all? It's <laughs> my comment to that. And then we go on and they highlight, not openly, but highlight how guilt and shame plays a big part to this. It was actually the uh, the wife who was also a vet, and she was speaking to her soldier on the inside, right? This is so common in trauma, to have this guilt and shame for how we were. I mentioned this yesterday, that worse than many uh, original traumas to many of these vets are the trauma... Uh, influenced uh, reactions, right? You might get into a fight at a bar. You might yell at your family. You're much more upset about that uh, and it impinges on your life much more than the original trauma. This is this, you know, we, we bury it all inside and, and once it starts to see the light of day, um, right, that's when it really starts to, uh, to explode, right? It's like dropping a Mentos in a Coca-Cola. Everything seems fine at first, but <laughs> don't get too close. And so we move on to my light, my compassion. That is what drives me. That's what this lovely lady was saying during the MDMA trip. Right? I love that. Because that's Nietzsche's Willenmacht, right? What propels you, right? Are you propelled? Is your will propelled rather than pushed? Are you the agent in your destiny, right? And I made a note here, as I begin to heal, I see how my wife has uh, saved me and how I have put the same on her, right? This is really important because that can hold uh, someone back. When you realize how incredibly damaged you are, then you begin to open up to what you may have done. And each one of those things can destroy you. They can drag you right back to the dark place you were. Just remembering what you did because of your trauma, because of this maladapted reaction. Right? And we go on, and they, they make another comment that is so poignant. Say, we die at 22 a day, but MDMA 
is still illegal. Oh boy, is that not true? We lose more vets, and they said we lose more brothers and sisters at home because of the healing that is legal and approved is not working. But because of that, they lose hope. That's the real problem. These, these doctors forget that the most important component of healing is agency, but you can't have agency if you don't have hope, right? So at home, then they lose their lives. After combat, that's when they truly lose themselves because they're no longer in the situation that they're comfortable with. That's why it's so common. Traumatized people tend to surround themselves with the things that tend to make them worse because it's what they're familiar with, right? Loud and brash and violent. That's what they're used to, right? You put somebody as actually a weird trauma response that they can become sensitive to soft touch. Imagine that, right? They're only comfortable and feel safe with a strong sort of deep tissue uh, touch. I mean, it, it, it speaks to this, this affect that we're talking about, that it completely changes who and what we are. And then uh, the one gentleman I love, because he wrote a letter to his son apologizing for his traumatic self and how he, uh, how he reacted. And so I wrote a little quote um, as it relates to everything we're talking about here. So the small T versus the large T. This relates to Gabriel Maté's theory that there are small T, right? This is what I mentioned before, that if 20% of vets go into the service already traumatized, they're almost guaranteed to come out traumatized. So I actually, so here's what I wrote. Is the hardest to heal injuries tied to the early trauma? Gabriel Maté's little T trauma. But how little is it if it can kill us and we never know what ate us alive? Big T trauma is a target we can see. Small T is worse because it convinced us they were small and we assumed they were not far more painful and harder to treat than the vast majority of the big T trauma. Right? And the reason why I mention that is here's a quote from The Obscure Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. These things are never understood nor known when they are sought, but when they are found and practiced. This is the same teaching that's in the Wuwang um, hexagram in the Chinese Book of Change or Nietzsche's Eternal Recurrence to embrace all as ordered is true liberation. Amor mate, amor mate, as he said, which is love your fate. I even would go one step further since uh, fate can be a synonym for faith. Right? Faith, trust, fate. Right? So I say, love your faith, trust your faith, trust your fate. And finally, Rudyard Kipling's um, If... When you treat triumph and disaster as the imposters they are, that's the secret to reducing our overall distemper. <laughs> so it goes on. Um, they continued to do some ayah, uh, and the wives even got into some healing. So the idea here, 
these vets continue to return to the ayahuasca. Because I say this is a journey of healing and individuation. I say we have to individuate ourselves from our trauma. You'll have to remember that because that's going to be an important one. That's my own little, what would you call it, my little... I have a few contributions to the, the theory here, but that one I think is a big deal. Because we can actually take all of Jung's teachings, which is what I'm going to do. This is my tragedy of trauma. It's not only opening up the Chinese Book of Change, the Yijing, to allow us to explore the active imagination and the healing within. I argue we can use the Bible, we can use the Bhagavad Gita, we can use the Yoga Sutras, we can use uh, meditations uh, from the Stoicism, Epictetus, Epictetus, I can't even remember. Uh, Plotinus could be used, uh, the Upanishads, like I mentioned earlier. It's anything that allows you to explore this idea of the self and the other and the difference between your I and your true self, individuation. So I again argue there is no difference between the idea of individuation, the self, the other, our experience, our, our concept or our construct of self, separating what's real and what is, is imagined, what's narrative and what's uh, um, uh, beneficial. The same is trauma. Trauma, if it's in the way, we can't think straight, we don't think straight, and it leaves us tra stranded and trapped. Right? To see our experience with renewed eyes and take the lessons and leave the trauma-informed adaptations behind. Right? And I've said this before because the goal is to be able to make choices free from hesitation or regret. To act uh, in the face of doubt and even failure. Because you know you're doing what you know to be the best choice in the situation. right? So to be free from doubt. But in the face of doubt, have faith. So on that... That was what I think uh, an excellent documentary about uh, what could be done for our vets. Uh, it's a couple years old, the movie, so I think it's um, very timely uh, because in the next few weeks, uh, the third stage, the second third stage trial of MDMA-assisted therapy is about to drop. Uh, the reason why I think that's important because unlike for the mass uh, population, the majority of the population, I'm pretty sure that we're going to aid vets first. So thankfully, we're going to be able to get, um, get that medicine into the hands of the vets. And the reason why I say that's important is because unlike the majority of the population, I do believe that vets being healed will lead to far more, uh, what would you call it, uh, like a, I guess, uh, 
the total benefit will be greater. Because unlike other traumatized individuals, like me not being a vet, my family just, yeah, get, get lost here. You're just, you're broken. You're too much trouble. But if they had realized that I was a vet, like my father and my, my grandfather before me, they put up with your crap because they, they have an idea of where it's coming from. And then, I don't know if you want to call it social convention or actual compassion for the vet and what they went through. But when you are unable to express your trauma to somebody who is untraumatized or unaware of their trauma, because it's like pre-verbal trauma or somatic trauma, or like in my case, if you're so severely dyslexic, so severely traumatized and damaged that you're unable to express yourself without getting angry or, um, well, you've seen, I mean, I'm nearly impossible to follow. Uh, and this is after a couple years of intense um, uh, mindfulness and meditation practices, uh, psychedelics, uh, uh, casino practice, uh, active imagination. I mean, but as I said to the wife last night, um, I am the textbook uh, intractable patient for almost all of these, right? For autoimmune, because of my trauma, for uh, uh, auto-inflammatory, so my inflammatory problem because of my allergies, because of my autoimmune disease, because of my trauma. Like, none of this can kind of um, really be treated. I've mentioned this before, that because of my one inflammatory-based disease, that means we'll never know if I have, say, for example, fibro fibromyalgia. But the real irony of that is, is science has advanced to the point now where we might believe, soon, that fibromyalgia might not even be a disease. It's just what I've mentioned before, psychological, uh, systematic, inflammatory response syndrome. Right, this crazy idea that I have that um, it's not the trauma, the experience. It's how we react to it. Therefore, it's, Buddhists call it Vedana. It's just your... Uh, your your feelings, your emotions, your ideas. So just nothing real, nothing physical. Something ephemeral, something finite is affected by something ephemeral. It's, it's weird, right? So something you can't touch or point to or feel. But I mean, that is our mind. I mean, let's be honest. Our mind affects everything. And yet we don't understand the truth of the both, right? If we can't point to what the mind is, not the physical thing, but consciousness, our mind, the self, if we can't point to what that is, why is it we don't stop and go, wait a minute, well, why do we not understand that psychosomatic disease and injury is not something to, to make light of or minimize, it is part of the entire gestalt, which, which is what Andrew Wheel spent his whole morning uh, talking about in the seminar about integrative medicine. It's what Gabor Mate talks about. Uh, this gestalt, there's no separating the mind from the body. And yet, we still don't understand this as truth. Right? So on that note, I apologize uh, for uh, for leaving such a rambling. I didn't want to leave a two hour, uh, uh, another two hour podcast about uh, uh, a movie that's barely over an hour long. Um, but I highly recommend. Uh, I'm not sure if it's available on Vimeo still. It's called From Shock to Awe. 
It's about veterans uh, healing their PTSD or uh, beginning to heal their PTSD uh, with non-pharmaceutical uh, avenues, I guess I could say, because it's not just plant medicine, right? Because even the plant medicine is but a tool for self-healing, as it were. So on that note, have a fabulous day and thank you so much for your time.